Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. He's back. We have on the show Daniel DiMartino, who is a PhD student at Columbia University in economics. All right, has a long, extensive background, has also appeared on dozens of shows, including Fox News Channel, CNN, USA Today, a lot of stuff happening. Daniel, good to have you back on the program. How are you? Thank you for having me again, Dr. Ritchie. Absolutely, man. So we're gonna chop it up about immigration policy in the United States of America. I don't wanna presume what you know or believe about immigration policy, my brother. So I will ask that you give us your sentiment. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me start with the fact that I'm an immigrant myself. I'm from Venezuela and I came to the United States five years ago. And I can tell you one thing that everybody should agree on. And that is that the current immigration system does not work for either immigrants or US citizens alike. And what I believe is that the first thing we need to do is to change to, to debureaucratize our current system. Many people don't know that the United States is far behind our developed nations in processing times, in, in, in the paperwork that people have to do that is totally unnecessary in the 21st century. While for a green card, the average wait time for a person that has everything approved in the United States is from a year to two years. Sometimes even more, depending on where you come from. In the United Kingdom, you can get it in as few as five business days. It's almost as if you were paying for a service. And so I think that even without having to reimagine our current system, there's a lot of things that it's just common sense to improve. And that's where we should start. I appreciate you saying that because both Democrats and Republicans, they have been severely misguided and have dropped the political ball, so to speak, as it relates to policy reform. Uh, in immigration policy. And I do agree, we need to have more streamlined processes that take away the massive bureaucracy involved and individuals who are willing and able to achieve in this country should be allowed to do so. But what you just said about streamlining the process, about eliminating the back and forth bureaucracy, about creating atmosphere, for this to be an easier opportunity. That's not what people on the right are saying. And typically you are on the conservative side of some of the more you know, economic based arguments. But you are siding with some on the left and even some progressives who think the paperwork should be very minimal. So tell me how do you job that? And I'm glad to hear you say what you're saying, by the way. Go ahead. Well, well, I, I unfortunately, I think that if the progressives actually supported streamlined regulation on immigration, they would have done it when they could. And they, the reality is that they never have. The reality is that no president of either party has, has done what they need We've to do. We've never had a progressive, let me correct you on the record. There has never been a progressive president in the United States, so don't. Well, okay, let's let's say that let's say that no administrator of the USCIS, no president of the United States has a streamlined immigration. That's correct. Because most of immigration is really not the law. People think that we just need to enforce immigration law, but the truth is that most of the interactions that immigrants have with the U.S. government are created of regulation. They're interpretations of the law. We even have, you know, the, uh, there's, there was a law that Congress enacted called the Paperwork Reduction Act 
supposedly to reduce paperwork and, and go digital. And immigrants actually have to add one more page to every form to sign a waiver for the Paperwork Reduction Act. It's, it's totally senseless. And, and so imagine this compounded to the 10th power, right? And, and so you get why people can't come legally to this country. And that's why so many people try to come illegally. The truth is that for the vast majority of people, especially in Central America, and that's why they come through, through, the, through the southern border. There's no way to obtain a visa to work here temporarily, which is all they want. If we had a visa program that allowed you know, agricultural workers, blue collar workers to come from Central America to the United States, um, rather than, than do the dangerous track through Mexico, we wouldn't have a crisis in the southern border. We would not allow criminals in because they would be filtered out. And we would actually collect so much more tax revenue. Everybody would be ordered yeah. off. Workers wouldn't be exploited because they're illegal. Uh, it's really a win-win. Yeah, so let me, let me correct you on a minor point. Um, the agencies that are in charge of administrative law, they actually do work based on a statutory uh, requirement that the Congress passed years ago that derives this authority from the Constitution. So when these agencies make policy, they do make administrative laws that are enforceable in a court of law. And so it is a little for stronger. For sure, for sure, they're, they're enforceable, but, but they're interpretations, right? That could be different. Uh, well, at, well, they, the they, they are definitely uh, interpretations of law. I, I agree with right. you on that, but they are law It is my point that courts can utilize administrative law in order in order to enforce the standard. Um, yeah. Let me take you to something you just uh, mentioned about working uh, in the United States, right? Um, so. There has always been this argument that somehow, and I know you know better, you're an economist. But this argument has been out there that somehow undocumented workers and the entire immigration program and platform in the country takes money away from this country. Because they are more likely to use benefits afforded to them, etc. That's just a flat out lie. And the numbers aren't even close as far as what is brought to this country by way of undocumented workers and also the immigration over the overall immigration in America. Now, okay, well, me, go ahead. If I, if I may, um, I think there's two arguments that have to be debunked. Uh, one of them is that um, immigrants take away jobs from native workers in general. Um, while it is true that on specific cases, it, it, it may happen or on an example, right? On net, uh, workers of every skill level have very little, if any, effect on, on job prospects. Correct. Except workers at the very high skilled who come from other countries who actually have a positive effect on, on, on creating more That's jobs right. in the United States. It works uh, and this, has, this has been shown in many empirical studies with the uh, Mariel Boatlift that came from Cuba in the 1980s. It was mm -hmm. shown that Miami had absolutely no labor market effect from, from refugees that increased by 7% the population immediately of the whole city. So, yeah, so this yeah. is very well shown that they do not take jobs away from Americans of their own skills. Now, the other argument is what you mentioned, that uh, these the illegal immigrants or legal immigrants use welfare and therefore are a burden on American taxpayers. The reality is that since 1996, thanks to a Republican Congress signed by Bill Clinton later as president, no immigrant, legal or illegal, is eligible for any federal welfare benefit. The only so, benefits that brother, some immigrants are eligible for are given by the states, and that's a wholly different issue. Brother, I'm glad you made those points. Those are dynamic points that I was going to make to you. Because you know good and damn well that those on the right have been making those false arguments to scare Americans into believing 
that their jobs are going to be taken away by undocumented workers or immigration as a whole. And let me read some stats because I find it quite interesting what's left out of the conversation, okay? So let's just go with Mexican undocumented workers or undocumented immigrants, significant contributors to the economy. In 2019, they earned almost 92 billion collectively, that's household income, contributed almost 10 billion in federal, state, and local taxes, all right? 10 billion, that's not a drop in the bucket. Also, if you talk about undocumented workers in America, I don't call them illegals, no human being is illegal. When you talk about undocumented workers in America, there's a number that people need to remember and it's 88%, 88%. 88% of people that come to this country undocumented come here for what reason? You know, they come here for work, right? They are undocumented, but they want to work. The same federal law that says it's unlawful to work in the United States undocumented. The subsection of that law also says it is unlawful to hire them. US Code 81324A says to hire or recruit or refer for employment in the United States. An alien knowing the alien is unauthorized to work is against the law. So the question becomes, why do we put so much emphasis on the the people who are just trying to work? And we see them being carried out of warehouses with camera crews, federal government agents, local authorities, the sheriff's department. They're locking up 600 undocumented workers at one time from a warehouse. You know who didn't get locked up? The CEO didn't get locked up. The hiring manager did not get locked up. Human resources did not get locked up. So why do we see this emphasis in the narrative and the application of law different as it relates to those who are just trying to work and earn a living as opposed to those who are intentionally gaming the system and in charge of these companies? Let me let me start with something important, which is that the reason why employers, we don't try to punish employers in the first place very harshly on this, is that there's a fear and when when the law was written, if you go back to why it was written this way, is that there was a fear that employers would end up discriminating workers based on their legal status or based on their race for fear that if they hire by mistake an undocumented worker, then they would be punished. And so there's some anti-discrimination let, let me you. say this, brother. Let me say this, and I understand the sentiment, but the law is very clear. The law says you have to knowingly do it. And the subsection of that law underneath says, okay, if you did do it, but you did not have the intent, that is not unlawful in America. But once you know, the subsection of that law has a process so that you right. do not receive federal penalty. So my question remains, brother. We have the law already. Why is it that we're putting the emphasis and the narrative and the criminalization on people who are barely able to make ends meet and totally creating immunity for those who are rich, wealthy, in charge of these companies and intentionally gaming the system, even though they are in violation of the same federal statute. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, this is a very common progressive argument, and I understand it, but that's not going to help the immigrants. 
what, what's gonna help the immigrants is that we create an immigration system that is efficient, that is safe, and that allows people to come here for work in a in a much easier way. That's what the wait workers minute, want, Dan. right? And, Dan, and, and not just that. Robert, you know, you mentioned Robert, that progressives Robert, are the ones who want Daniel, to Daniel, I'm this. going to interrupt you on this point. And I apologize in advance for the interruption. It is an argument not common enough because when we have corruption, when we have misapplication of law, when we have these extreme disparities where obviously it is unfair. You know it's unfair, I know it's unfair. And many people who promote the dogma that you just said that you know is untrue, that somehow immigrants take away jobs and they're the ones that should be criminalized. It does a disservice to immigrants undocumented and documented when you don't correct that narrative, brother. So I ask you as an immigrant yourself, stand with me and be bold about correcting that narrative against your fellow brothers Look, and sisters. I, I, I think that the application of the law should be equal and, and, and the rule of law should, should you know, be be respected. That I think that that and that includes both for people who come here illegally and for our employers. So do you who agree with the amnesty um, program? Do you agree with any level of amnesty to those who are undocumented and working right now? I, I think that you know, for example, people who were brought here as children, out of no fault of their own, like those from the DACA program, it's really a no-brainer that they should be allowed to stay here. Um, How I many think undocumented that, people we have in the country? Uh, in total, approximately 10 to 11 million, depending on who, who estimates it, yeah. You know, the highest estimate is 22 million, by the way. And I, the I'm aware, is, there's there's a study, um, it, it uses very different methods. It's still, it's still not, you know, it's still a controversy, but, but, but there's right. millions of immigrants. That's right, the bottom line is they don't know, damn it. That's the truth, they don't know. They have no real idea how many undocumented workers we have in the country. We do know this, 97% of them are working. We know this, they have a lower crime ratio than native born Americans. We know that they produce for the economy. We know all of these things, right? And we know we do not have the manpower to simply go around deporting individuals who are undocumented in America and continuing to contribute to the American ecosystem of economy. So to talk yeah. about- but, but the issue here, Dr. Richie, is that the immigration debate is always about amnesty. And because the immigration debate is always about amnesty, we don't fix the, the real problem of the immigration system. Well, I think that's one which is how people come legally. What happened in 1986 with the Reagan legalization, which, you well, know, it's an, I, I support it. I, I support that bill. What happened was that because there was amnesty and there, there were no new pathways for people to come from abroad legally, I, everybody but, but, but kept coming illegally. And then we are having the same problem again. Damn. And now, in Congress, because some senators, some members of Congress don't want to fix the underlying problem, which is that we need to find a way to allow people to come here legally from other countries. We keep yeah. having the same obstruction, amnesty, amnesty, I'm for, I'm against it. Okay, so let me start by saying this. You agree that America is a very political nation, right? You agree for sure. Okay, if you don't correct the narrative, you will never have the political volition to change the policy. That's why it's important to correct the narrative so that you start the process of being able to have the political backing to change the policy. But as long as the narrative is false, and as long as people well, truly now, believe- If you allow me to say one last thing uh, as well. Absolutely, brother, I will. Yeah. Uh, as long as they are allowed to believe that somehow undocumented workers are their biggest threat. Remember, 82% of Republicans believe that undocumented 
workers is one of the greatest threats to American progress. 19% of Democrats believe that. The truth is that no, they're not a threat, they're a compliment to the American economy and American workforce. You know what's the threat? Automation, 60 million jobs have already been lost to automation. 85 million will be lost by 2025. But they don't talk about automation as a jobs killer in the United States of America because the fat cats are getting fatter. And yes, we do have to correct the policy brother, but you won't get to a policy reform conversation until you change the public narrative around it. Yeah, with that I totally agree. But let me tell you some a point about progressives and immigration. It is the progressives in Congress. It is people like Bernie Sanders. It is people like the Secretary of Labor of the United States currently who are promoting labor regulations that are hurting immigrants and they're hurting legal and undocumented immigrants actually because in their quest to protect workers to raise. Uh, quote unquote labor standards, they're actually making it impossible for employers to sponsor immigrants for visas. The Department of Labor issues things like um, the, the, you know, the, um, Wages that wage structures, basically regulating how much people can get paid, when they can get paid. It is a huge problem right now, actually, for immigrants to get sponsored into this country because the Department of Labor, because of these labor regulations, takes years to complete a labor certification, which is one of the requirements under immigration law. So I think that both sides have a lot of fault here, and we really need to come together and think of sensible immigration systems, like the one our neighbor to the north has, Canada. That it's a very simple system. People apply based on their English ability, skills, education, same in the United Kingdom. We really have examples to look at and there's way to find consensus and have a much better system for all. Brother, I gotta have you back. My producers are telling me to wrap it up. I do have some points I wanted to rebut, but we got another show coming up. Let me ask you a quick question. Do you know what country has the number one demographic as it relates to overstay visas in America? Overstay, uh, I, I believe that it is a very small island because there's one person who came and that's the only person who overstayed, is that correct? No, that's not, that's a trick question that your uh, economics professor may ask you. Uh, numerically is actually Canada. Oh, numerically, okay. Yep, Canada is the number one violator of overstay <laughs> visas. The reason why I bring that to your attention is because you've never heard that before. There has not right. been a narrative around we need to get these Canadians out of America. Well, Canadians are white brother. You have to understand that this is still connected to black and brown, even when you get outside of America. Canada, I promise you, if it were not Canada, and if it was Haiti or Mexico, number one violators, that would be a news story. But it's not because it's Canada. I gotta go, man. I appreciate you, Daniel. We'll bring you back on the show, okay? Thanks for having me.